Good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time that we've been able to spend in worship. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me in Psalm chapter 19. Appreciate Michael reading through those first 11 verses for us. That's where we're going to be studying together over the next few minutes. We're going to be looking at what David says in Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 through 11. I came across a story from the life of President Franklin Roosevelt. Oftentimes, whenever he was in the White House, he would have to be a part of very long receiving lines where he'd have to greet and talk to a number of different foreign diplomats. He always complained about those receiving lines, saying that nobody really paid attention to what he said. If he said something, people wouldn't hear it, and they would just respond to him with an automatic answer. So one day he decided he was going to try a little bit of an experiment. He decided each person that he met in the receiving line, each diplomat that he talked to, he was going to shake their hand, pull them in close, and whisper in their ear, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And so he did that. He, he went through the receiving line, shook every person's hand, whispered that little message in their ear, and every single person responded by saying something like, God bless you, sir. Thank you for your work. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Until he got to the last person, the ambassador from Bolivia. He pulled him in while he was shaking his hand, whispered in his ear, I murdered my grandmother this morning. He was the first person who actually heard what President Roosevelt said. He whispered in President Roosevelt's ear, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> I think that story does a good job of illustrating a problem that we have in our lives. A problem that we struggle with, perhaps on a daily basis, sometimes we just don't listen. I know sometimes I struggle with that. Maybe sometimes you struggle with that. It takes place for a number of different reasons. Maybe it's because we're distracted. Maybe it's because we have a thousand other things running through our minds and we feel like we're being pulled in a thousand different directions. When we feel that way, how can I possibly focus on what somebody is trying to say to me? Maybe it's because we're too involved in a screen. Watching TV, scrolling on the internet, scrolling through social media, we're too distracted, we're too preoccupied to hear what people are saying to us. It's kind of like the husband who was sitting and watching TV one day. His wife came, stood right in his way, stood right in front of the TV, planted both feet, put her hands on her hips, and said, you didn't hear a word that I said, did you? The husband, kind of confused, immediately thought to himself, well, that's a really weird way to start a conversation. Apparently, he wasn't listening to a word that she said. I'm surprised that didn't get any amens out of our, our wives here, especially that one right there. Um, there was a farmer who was having a really bad day, and he was working out in the field, and he felt like he needed somebody to talk to. He needed to vent about this terrible day that he was having, but there was nobody around. So he decided he was going to vent to the different ears of corn around him. So he went deep into his cornfield and, and started venting to these different stalks of corn. He, after a few minutes of yelling, though, he figured out that wasn't doing any good. You know why? Because it was going in one ear, out the other. Corny joke, um, but don't worry, I, I won't quit my day job or anything like that. But it highlights a problem that we struggle with, doesn't it? So often, maybe it's because we're distracted, maybe it's because we're busy, we allow people's words to go in one ear 
and out the other. Sometimes we just don't listen. You know, not listening to people is one thing. And if we struggle with that, it's something we need to work on. James chapter 1 and verse 19, he offers to us a couple of commands. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. Some translations say, you know this, but it's better translated as a command. He's saying, I want you to know this. I want you to put this in your head. Let every person, what's the first thing he says? Be quick to hear. Let every person be quick to listen. As much as that applies to people, while that certainly applies to family, friends, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, people at work, people at school, as much as that applies to people, how much more does that apply to God? Do we ever struggle to listen to God? Do we ever struggle to hear God's voice? As we go throughout the week, do we find ourselves distracted by so many different things, being pulled in so many different directions that we don't listen to what God has to say to us? Do we have so many things on our mind? Do we have so many voices yelling out to us throughout the week that it drowns out the voice of our God? Do we spend so much time on social media? Do we spend so much time watching TV that there's not any time left? To listen to what our God has to say to us. See, sometimes we just don't listen, and that's a problem. But I would suggest to you an even bigger problem, perhaps the biggest problem that we have as followers of Jesus, is that sometimes we just don't listen to God. We don't take the time to hear His voice. So as we turn our attention to Psalm chapter 19, and we think about what David has to say in the first 11 verses, I want us to reflect on the fact that we serve a God who wants to communicate with us. We serve a God who wants us to hear His voice. So to encourage us to do that, to encourage us to make that the top priority in our lives, the question I want us to ask, how can we hear God's voice? In what ways can we hear what God wants us to hear the first answer that David gives in response to that question in the first six verses of Psalm 19 is that we hear God's voice through His creation. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. Every single person on the face of the earth has the opportunity to hear God's voice through what He has created. The technical term associated with that idea is general revelation. God speaks to us through His creation in general ways. When God speaks to us through His creation, we are able to learn general truths about who He is. General truths about His nature and about His character. When we look at Psalms chapter 19 and verse 1, this isn't something that just whispers to us. This isn't something that's hard to hear, know that David says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Whenever you look up into the sky, whenever you look up into the heavens, what is the message that you should hear from God? You should hear the message that God is glorious. When I look up into the sky, I should be amazed at how great God is, how awesome God is. The heavens declare to us the glory of God. He says the sky above proclaims His handiwork. You don't need a hearing aid to hear God's voice 
through creation. It's something that speaks very clearly. It's something that speaks very plainly. Whenever we look up into the heavens, we come face to face with the glory of God. It's declaring to us His glory, His handiwork, how awesome He really is. When you look at verse 2, this isn't something that happens in cycles. Where sometimes we hear God's voice in creation and sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's turned on, sometimes it's turned off. David says, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Every single day, every single night when the sun is up or when the moon is up, creation is shouting to us, declaring to us how great our God actually is. In verse number 4, you don't have to be in a specific location in order for this to be available to you in the first six verses of Psalms 19. It says that their voice, the voice of creation, goes through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Now, we're not saying that creation is actually going to speak to us. We're not saying that when we look up into the sky, creation is going to audibly speak to us like I'm speaking to you right now. What this is saying, though, is that the inaudible voice of creation allows us to hear the powerful and glorious voice of our God. Verse 3 says that there's no speech, there's not words, there's no voice that is heard. But when we look at what God has created, we're able to see how great He is, how powerful He is, what He is capable of. The heavens declare the glory of God. When you look at the end of verse 4, we experience a little bit of a transition in David's thoughts. He goes from talking about creation generally to talking creation specifically. He goes from talking about the heavens and the sky in a general way to specifically talking about the sun. The sun is big. The sun is powerful. Every day we experience that. Now reflect on the fact that God is the one who created it. God is the one who took the sun and put it in its proper spot. God is the one who set it in its dwelling. But it doesn't just stay there. It doesn't just stay in one spot. No, from our perspective, as David says, the sun rises at one end of the heavens and it sets on the other end of the heavens. David describes it's the circuit that the sun makes throughout the sky every day. He says it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber to claim his bride for the very first time. It's like a champion competing in some kind of competition and he's going to give that competition everything that he has. God created the sun. He set it in the sky to where it goes from one end of the heavens to the other and it moves with great passion. It moves with excitement. The word that David uses is that it moves with joy. Again, this isn't limited to a specific location. At the end of verse number 6, the Bible says in Psalms 19 that there is nothing hidden from its heat. It heats the entire world. When we look up and see the sun, we might think that it's normal. It's something that happens every day. The sun rises, it crosses the sky, and it sets. Not a big deal, right? David says, take a minute to look at the sun and think about who created it. Take a minute to look at the sun and to think about what that tells you about God. His power, His presence, His activity, His glory. Whenever we look at God's creation, we are able to hear His voice in a way that's very plain and in a way that's very clear. Have you ever been overwhelmed by God's creation? Have you ever traveled to a specific place or traveled to a specific location where you were left speechless? Look at how beautiful this is. And look at how big God's creation is. It makes me feel 
so small when I look at how big it is. I'm sure we've all had experiences like that in a lot of different places throughout our country, throughout our world, where we were in awe of what was standing, sitting before us. But like we said, you don't have to be in a specific location to experience this. What we're talking about in the first six verses of Psalms chapter 19, you don't have to travel someplace in order for God's voice to speak through creation. In order to hear God's voice through creation, you don't have to stand on a beach in the Bahamas. You don't have to stand before the beautiful Rocky Mountains. You don't have to look out over the Great Lakes as the sun is just starting to set and thinking about how beautiful that is. In order to hear God's voice in creation, the psalmist says all that you have to do is look up. Just take some time in the day to look up at the, in the heavens. To look up in the sky. To look at the sun. What is the message that you hear? When you look up into the sky and you think about God is the one who created that. God is the one who put the sun in its dwelling. What message do we hear? It declares to us how great our God is. I look up into the sky and the message that I should receive is look at God. Look at how great God is. Look at what He's capable of. Look at how awesome He is. Look at how powerful He is. And look at how He continues to be present in our lives. First, how can we hear God's voice? We hear God's voice through what He has created. Number two, how can we hear God's voice? We hear God's voice, according to verses 7-11, through through His Word. Through what we have revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. And maybe if you were to ask, be asked this question without reading through this text, that's the answer that you would give. How do we hear God's voice? We hear God's voice through His Word. And that's true. It's something that David reflects on in verses 7-11. through 11. It's something that we need to reflect on. The technical term for that is special revelation. God reveals Himself generally through general revelation, naturally through what He has created. Special revelation is God revealing Himself supernaturally in His Word. Giving us specific ideas about who He is, what His will is for our lives, how we can be pleasing and acceptable in His sight. When David talks about the Word of God, it's interesting to me in verses 7-11 through that he doesn't just talk about the Word of God. When David talks about the Word of God in this section of Scripture, he's praising the Word of God. He's holding it up as something that is so amazing. He's holding it up as something that can make a tremendous difference in our lives. Why is that? Why does David at this point in the psalm feel the need to praise God's Word? I think there's a couple things we need to consider here. First, David praises God's Word for what it is. What is the Word of God? What is contained throughout the pages of Holy Scripture. David uses nine words to describe it. And we're, we're going to group some of those words together because some of them are such close synonyms. First, he says, if you look at verse 7, the law of the Lord, the Word of God, what God has revealed to us in Scripture is perfect. When you look out into our world, you don't find a person, you don't find a thing, you don't find an organization, a team, whatever it is. You don't find anything that's perfect. But guess what? The Word of God is perfect. In the midst of a world of imperfection, the only perfection that we can experience, the only perfect thing that we can hold in our hands is what we are holding in our hands right now. God's Word is perfect. It's complete. It contains no errors. It contains no mistakes or contradictions. God's Word gives us everything that we need 
to be the people who God wants us to be. Number two, he says that the Word of God is sure and true, meaning it's faithful, it's reliable, it's trustworthy. You have a person in your life who's trustworthy? Or maybe you know what it's like to have a person in your life who's not very trustworthy. Can I tell you that you can place your trust in this book? You can fully rely on what we find throughout the pages of Scripture. As we'll see in just a few minutes, when its commands are fulfilled, its promises will always come to pass. Its promises will always be experienced by us as God's people. The Word of God, David says, is right and righteous in verse number 8. There are so many people in our world today who struggle to determine what is right and wrong or what is the basis of right and wrong. As Christians, we don't struggle with that. We know what's right. We know what's wrong because of what we have recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. This book is never going to lead us in the wrong direction. This book is never going to lead us down the right path. It's always going to lead us in the right direction. It's always going to lead us down the right path in contrast with being unrighteous. This book is righteous. And when we spend time with it, we become righteous ourselves. Number four, the Word of God is pure and clean. In a world of imperfection, we see so much filthiness, sin, evil, impurity, What do you see when you look at the Word of God? You don't see impurity, you see purity. You don't see filthiness, you see something that is completely clean. Number five, the Word of God is desirable. I love the illustration that David gives in Psalms 19 and verse 10 to talk about how desirable the Word of God actually is. What if I were to have a gold brick in my hand right here? Let's say it's just one pound, which by the way would be worth about $22,000. I have one pound gold brick in this hand. I have the Word of God in this hand. Which one would you rather have? Which one would you desire more? David says, let me tell you what I desire. Verse 10, if you go back to verse 9, he's talking about the rules of the Lord that are true. He says, verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. The Word of God is desirable. It's something that we should want more so than anything else in the world. And then number six, he says the Word of God is sweet. Everybody deserves a sweet treat every once in a while, don't they? If you're like me, you probably have a sweet treat once, twice, three times a day, and and that's a habit that you need to break. What's your favorite sweet? What's your favorite candy? What's your favorite chocolate? The sweetness that we find in the Word of God cannot be paralleled, and it cannot be rivaled by anything else in this world. This is the ultimate definition of sweetness. As David says, verse number 10, sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. So we're praising God's Word for what it is, but David doesn't stop there. We're also praising God's Word for what it does. Here's what the Word of God is by definition. It's perfect, and it's desirable, and it's sweet. Now let me tell you what it can do in your life, David says. It revives the soul. Sometimes we find ourselves stuck in the mud. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we're complacent spiritually. We're beat down by the trials and difficulties that we have to deal with on a daily basis. What does the Word of God do? It revives us. It picks us up. It stirs us up. It helps us to live lives that are passionate and enthusiastic for the Lord. Verse 7, it makes wise the simple. When we spend time with the Word of God, that's where we find true wisdom. That's where we find the understanding and the knowledge that we truly need. We gain wisdom on the inside 
so that we can have great skill on the outside. Number three, it rejoices the heart. The Word of God can mend a heart that is shattered. The Word of God can replace pain within a person's heart with great joy. It's like what Paul says in Philippians the fourth chapter, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. How do we get there? David says, I focus on God's Word. I think about God's Word. And it brings great joy to my heart. Number four, it enlightens the eyes. The Word of God helps us to see things that we wouldn't otherwise see. You're driving down the interstate. Whenever you're going to change lanes, what do you do? You check your mirrors, then check your what? Your blind spot. Why do you check your blind spot? Because it's not covered in the mirror. If you didn't look back, you wouldn't see if there was a car there or not. You'd be taking your chances. The Word of God enlightens the eyes. It helps us to identify and to get rid of the blind spots that we might have. It helps us to see things that we wouldn't otherwise see. It replaces darkness in our sight with light. It helps us to live for God on a daily basis. Verse 9, it endures forever. Our world is imperfect. Our world is filthy. It's also transient. Everything we see in this world is temporary. Everything that we see in this world is decaying and passing away. Here's a book that's not going to pass away. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew the 24th chapter? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You remember how Peter talks about it at the end of 1 Peter 1? He's quoting a section of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 40 that the grass fades and the beauty of a flower is going to vanish, but the Word of our God endures forever. And that Word is the good news, the Gospel that has been preached to us. This book has endured and it will continue to endure throughout all of eternity. Number six, it warns. Whenever a child is reaching out to touch a hot stove, why does the mom step in and, and tell that child not to do that? Why does the mom give that warning? Because she loves her child? Because she wants what's best for her child. She doesn't want her child to be hurt or burned. She warns him. She warns her. Don't touch the stove. Because if you do it, it's going to hurt you. What does the Word of God do for us? Well, it just ruins my fun. The Word of God stops me from doing things that I want to do. If you have that kind of mindset, spend some time in 1 John, the 5th chapter and read and study about how the Word of God is not burdensome, and then come here to Psalm 19 and verse 11, and think about how the Word of God warns you. Because God loves us, because He's our Father who wants what's best for us, He has warned us about things that we need to stay away from. Things that if we don't stay away from them, they are going to harm us. They are going to hurt us in some kind of way. And then finally, verse number, or rather number 7 in verse 11 the Word of God rewards. Whenever its warnings are listened to and obeyed, whenever we submit ourselves in obedience to what we find through the pages of Scripture, we will find great reward. We'll be rewarded in this life by being the people who God wants us to be and avoiding those pitfalls that God has warned us about, but we'll also be rewarded in eternity. When we obey God's Word, one day when we stand before Him, we'll be able to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. How can we hear God's voice? David says, let me tell you about the Word of God. Let me tell you about His law. And look at how amazing it is. Look at how perfect God's Word is. And look at the difference that it can make in your life. Look at how the Word of God can take your life and turn it upside down. It can transform you into, into a completely new person. How can we hear God's voice? We hear His voice through His Word. So spend some time this week doing that. 
Set apart time in your day to read through Scripture and to think about Scripture. Don't get so distracted. Don't get so busy that you don't hear what God has to say in creation, but especially what God has to say through His Word. Everything that we just mentioned in verses 7-11 through is available to you with every passing moment. Many of you are holding a Bible in your hand. I'd say that the majority of us have a Bible app on our phones. Don't allow Scripture to remain closed. Don't allow your copy of God's Word to collect dust. Instead, spend time with it. Hear God's voice speak to you through what He's delivered to us in the pages of Scripture. How can we hear God's voice? Certainly, we hear His voice through what He's created. And we hear His voice through His Word, through both general and special revelation. But whenever we go to the New Testament, there's one more idea that we need to mention. And that's the fact that we hear God's voice through His Son. David wouldn't have been aware of this. David, as you know, lived many hundred years before Jesus. But now that we're looking back on this passage, and as we read through the New Testament, if we want to hear the voice of God, we have to listen to the voice of Jesus because Jesus is the perfect demonstration in both word and action of the Father. If we want to see the Father's will, we look at Jesus. If we want to see what the Father's like, we look at Jesus. If we want to hear God's voice, we have to listen to the voice of Jesus. Here's the way the Hebrews writer said it. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in contrast, in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son. If we want to hear the voice of God, what do we do? We listen to the voice of Jesus. But let's take that one step further. We said from Psalms 19 that we hear God's voice through creation. Do you know who Jesus is? According to Scripture, Jesus is the Creator. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, By Him all things were created. At the end of the verse, all things were created through Him and for Him. If we want to hear God's voice, we don't just look at creation, but we listen to the voice of the Creator. We said verses 7-11, through 11, that we hear God's voice through His Word. And that's certainly the case. But do you know who Jesus is? John describes Him in John chapter 1 and verse 1 as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a few verses later in verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. If we want to hear God's voice, we spend time in His Word. But ultimately, if we want to hear God's voice, we have to connect with the One who is the Word. The Word who was God, who became flesh and dwelt among us. So yes, we hear God's voice through creation. Yes, we hear God's voice through His Word. But ultimately, if we want to hear God speak, we listen to the voice and the teachings of Jesus. Spend some time this week, if you want to make a note of this, in Matthew 17, the first few verses of that chapter, where Jesus is transfigured, God speaks from the sky and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. If we want to hear God, we have to listen to Jesus. It's no secret that as a community over the past eight weeks in Mayfield, we've been through a lot. There's been a lot of devastation, there's been a lot of destruction, and a lot of stress and anxiety associated with it. Do you know what Mayfield needs more than anything else as a community? More than anything else, Mayfield needs to hear God's voice. As a congregation, we've been busy. 
over the last eight weeks. We've been trying to do a lot of different things. We've had our hands full with a lot of different projects, and I appreciate Jeff talking about some of those just a few moments ago. As a congregation, in the midst of the busyness, do you know what we need more than anything else in these circumstances, in every circumstance? More than anything else, we have a need to hear God's voice. As individuals, we said a minute ago, sometimes we're beat down by the trials and difficulties and hardships of life. In the midst of all that, do you know what we need more than anything else? More than anything else, we need to hear the voice of God. But yet the problem remains, sometimes we just don't listen. And then an even bigger problem, sometimes we just don't listen to God. So I want to challenge you not to do that this week. I want to challenge you this week to not be so distracted that you don't listen to God's voice. Don't listen to so many voices throughout the week that it drowns out the voice of the one who truly matters. Don't get so wrapped up. Don't get so tied up. Don't get pulled in so many different directions that God's voice doesn't have a bearing in your life. As you go throughout your life this week, hear God's voice through creation. Take just a few minutes to look up. To look up into the sky. To see the sun as it makes its way through the sky. And reflect on how great your God actually is. Set apart time this week to spend time in His Word. To allow God to speak to you and to reveal His heart and will to you through the pages of Scripture. Look up to the heavens. Look down in the Word. But perhaps most importantly, open up your heart and hear God speak through His perfect Son, Jesus Christ. Hear God speak through the One who created all things, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. When you take the time to do that, do you know the first and foremost message that you're going to hear? When you take the time to listen to God's voice, you're going to hear Him say that He loves you and that He wants a relationship with you more so than anything else in life. Do you want a relationship with Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Is it something you need to begin this morning in the waters of baptism? Is it something you need to come back to this morning? Have your brothers and sisters pray for you. Let's hear God's voice, but even more importantly, let's respond to God's voice. And here's an opportunity to do that as Jeff comes forward and leads us in our invitation song.